0: For another OG show live, Mr. Randall, how you doing? What's up, everybody? Welcome back to The Real Down.
2: Welcome back to another episode of Bastard for Community. Hi,
1: boys and girls. Welcome to, once again, Bass
0: for oh, brother. This is the final
1: cast of Another segment of uh, Chasing the Tide Your saltwater connection on the Pelican.
0: Welcome back everyone, another episode of Feather and Fur. Your host, Welcome back to the Maritza Hey, welcome back to Off the Water FACCQ
3: Adventures
0: of Hey guys, welcome to the Rusty Hood Kayak Fishing Podcast We're brought to you by Pelican Built Tough For all situations, go to pelican.com Eastport Marina, on the beautiful shores of Dale Hollow Lake. For all your lodging, kayaking, go to eastport.info. Yak Gadget for all your fine kayak fishing accessory needs, go to yakgadget.com.
4: What's going on, everybody? We're going to do a very late um, headphones warning because I don't know if everybody else that new intro was loud in my ears.
2: Yeah, it was a uh, it's a little brassy too, like a little gained out or something. I
4: was to say the gain is like, whating.
2: Yeah.
4: We'll uh we'll pass it along to the right folks. We'll get that fixed for y'all. But it was a cool intro. So yeah, very cool. The, yeah, very sick. Well, what's up, everybody? Welcome back. It's the real down. It's me, Jimmy, and your boy Dan coming back again. Talk some tournament fishing. Uh, just got through with a uh, not long enough weekend. Uh, what about you? You had a little bit longer weekend. You did a little traveling, a little fishing. How was that?
2: Yeah, for KFL we went out to Hyco Lake, North Carolina, right on the it's it's real close to Virginia. Beautiful area. Uh did really well. I think it was one sixty two to one seventy-three. So we we were we were close, just needed a couple of other big bites, but it was it was a good event. Yeah.
4: Yeah. I and mean, yeah, it's just one loss, so that still keeps yelling good playoff contention, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah, we're still leading the south. Five and one Kingfishers are five and one and uh this weekend. Well, tomorrow morning I'm heading down to Okeechobee to fish Benedict Conrad Cornbread Spaghetti and <laughs> the the Copperheads. So, uh, so yeah, it's
4: it, that'll be a fun event too. You got you you've got a little history on that lake, right? Or am I wrong? Yeah,
2: yeah, I went and fished a bass event whenever I was back in college for a back-to-back national champion University of Montevallo Falcons. Uh, some blood there for a couple years. You know, a little, uh, little brag there, but um. Yeah, I fish there. We did really well. One day, um, uh, one the second day, two day event. Second day, we I think we ended up bringing in like twenty six pounds. My partner caught a nine too, and um, uh, but all the fish that we had on the line was like well over forty pounds. It was one of those days where it's just like, like the best day you could possibly have, like a dream, absolute dream day. We saw the fish come off. But it's, you know, whenever you're fishing in the heavy cover and stuff like that on Okeechobee, you're just not going to get them all. And it didn't quite go our way that day, but still had a great day. So Kind of yeah, at I'm, the
4: mercy of the fish gods on that. <laughs> yeah,
2: I, I've been so excited to go back. I, this is one I've had marked on my calendar all year, so I'm I'm excited to go, man.
4: Yeah, it's still a high on my list. We I've been down there and went by that lake twice, and the fishing has sucked both times I went somewhere else. And I always wonder if I should have just stopped off at Okeechobee and went fishing in the grass, you know, uh, cause Kissimmee hasn't been good to me and the old stick marsh, which the stick marsh is great. You just got to have a little more time. Place is so expansive yeah. and everything looks the same. So it's one of those fishers. You got to find that different thing. And I always say it, a map doesn't do Florida justice as far as size and distance, yeah. like really pull your scale meter out. When people are looking at that people? Cause what I thought was like a three mile jaunt for this whole area it was five miles just to the first spot. And I was like, oh, well, I didn't prepare this day for this. So, mm-hmm. but. So, yeah.
2: Same with Okeechobee, it's, I mean, it's the seventh largest lake in, in the U.S., but the biggest in Florida. I mean, it's, it's obviously, it's massive. and It's a giant, like, bowl. That's what yeah. it looks like on a map. And it's and it can get ugly out there with the wind so you have to know what you're doing they don't jump in the boat it's it's i mean the fishing's great and it really is like it's crazy whenever you get out on the lake on okeechobee because there's no houses it really is like another world it's it's like a wildlife preserve it it's amazing out there but they do not jump in the boat i mean you gotta you gotta find them and they're usually all bunched up in one area so it's it's all about covering a bunch of water you know
4: I have noticed that in the videos. When you see videos of Okeechobee, you might see a couple other boats in the background, but that is it. You don't see shoreline. You don't see nothing. Yeah, It's kind of cool. Yeah. Well, well, what we got oh, for you I, tonight? I, I, I did
2: want to say one other thing. Say it. There's been a little bit of KFL drama, which should not be KFL drama. A guy on... I just kind of want to set the record straight a little bit. I was going to
4: ask you about this, so this yeah. is perfect.
2: A guy on, on the the team i'm about to go fish against the copperheads he had one mvp a couple of weeks ago this weekend he went and this is all the information i have so it's that you know i'm not involved in it but i this is what i'm being told is he got dq'd because he wasn't wearing a life jacket the person who he didn't notify you know it's not like he called the Called anybody and said, oh, I forgot my life jacket today. I'm DQing myself. He went out there, and the other team had to call it in on him. Had to have him dq from that day. So he got DQ'd, and he got so pissed off, he started telling the other guy he was going to kill him. Through Was throwing baits at him and blocking him from fishing. This is the type of shit that doesn't go on in any league. It wouldn't happen in any trail anywhere. So whenever put it, I hate standing up for the KFL because I feel like I have to do it all the time because of people the detractors want to say, oh, it's you know whatever about it. Somebody's cra- if somebody is not does some bad things on any trail. it's not the trail's fault. They handled it the best that they could. Greg the commissioner told them that if you don't do something about this guy, I'll, I'll give you the time to do it. If it doesn't happen, I'm going to recommend to the owner's group who will make a vote to have the man banned because you can't do that in any trail in this country. And the guy who he threatened filed it, filed a report with the Fish and Wildlife, Florida Fish and Wildlife. So it's it's on a report. So, I mean, it's real. It's in writing. It's documented. So, I mean, things are going on behind the scenes, but the Copperheads decided to let him go. No one forced them to do it. But it might have went to a vote where he was voted out because I would have voted the guy out. I'll say it right now. I like the Copperhead guys. I like that team. I have a lot of respect for them. Going to go down there and fish against them. I have no problem with those guys. But to say that the league is wrong in this case, and they have done some things that I don't agree with, this is not one of those cases. So quit. <laughs> Everybody wants the drama and wants to blame the KFL. This is not on them. This is somebody who did some things he shouldn't have done, and it got banned by his team. So, there you go.
4: I, I'm glad someone can thre- about You it. can't
2: go out on the water and threaten somebody's life, and, and it'd be okay. Yeah,
4: no. That's crazy. I didn't know that's how deep it got. I, yeah. I tried not to look into it, because you can't find the truth in anything on the internet anymore. So I figured I'd, I figured you may know, but
2: Every, everybody has their own story and I wasn't there on the water. I know a report was filed with the fishing game and that's, it's between him and the state or whatever else. So, you know, there you go.
4: There we go. Well,
2: uh-huh. what
4: we got for you this week is a uh, drama free. Hopefully. I don't yeah. know. We have got to talk to these guys yet. So we'll find out. I see one of them smiling. So there might be a little drama back there, uh-huh. but, um, that French, Can- French Canadian drama.
2: <laughs> yeah, so what they, we they at you in French?
4: Uh, they just kill you with kindness, from what I hear. Uh, what we got today is the uh, Ontario Kayak Bass Trail uh, winners from Georgian Bay, which I just found out was also a. Uh, there was a Saturday event, which was that, and then there was a Sunday event, which was the Ontario Kayak Bassmasters event, which was on Six Mile Lake. So two different tournaments. And same outcome as far as the top two. So, and I'm actually looking, is it the same? And they did finish in the same place. Let's make sure they didn't flip flop and I missed it. But without further ado, we got the, the winner on the weekend, Michael Morand, and second place, Josh Hood. What's going on, fellas? Hey,
5: hey! thanks for having us on, guys. Yeah, yeah man. Fine. I appreciate yeah, thank y'all you
4: coming in uh, kind of last minute. I was... Uh, I, last time we've done the the OKBT OK guys before, and I swore mm-hmm. the the guys we've had on was Central Time. So I, I didn't know until you said something after we'd kind of already planned it that I was pushing y'all back a little later. So I definitely appreciate y'all giving us your time to tell us about how things are north of the border, because definitely somewhere I haven't got to go yet. And uh, I I've, up until the last the first time we had y'all on or the OKBT OK guys on, I think two years ago, I didn't know y'all bass fished up there. I thought it was always just too freaking cold for that up there. So it's,
2: it, it's funny. I've seen Canada twice once from Niagara Falls and once from Port Port Angeles up in Washington state. So, like the opposite, I've seen the opposite ends of Canada from the US, but I've never crossed the border. It's, it's crazy. I don't know. You got to do it. Yeah. I, I don't know why I didn't. It's It doesn't make sense. Come and visit. I, I will for sure. You got hey, I, I... Yeah yeah I, need... I don't know with the covid regulations is it is it all clear now where you can just go back? <laughs> i think
5: i think i think you're good you just need a passport though as long as you yeah. got one those you're good to go yeah, <sighs> those good. things are overrated <laughs> nah.
4: i don't think you could get over the border at all now without one i hear i hear stories from buddies moms and stuff from back in the like 70s and 80s about like going drinking in canada overnight and stuff like that when she used to live up in new york and I'm, I just don't think you can do it that easily anymore. You can't just like <laughs> cruise on over,
3: you know.
5: <laughs> don't you just throw
3: your uh, driver's license anymore and get back.
5: Yeah. No, it used to be a birth certificate, and then uh, and then it changed to passport. Hmm.
4: That's. I wish you know God rest this lady. Saw my best friend's mom. I can't get into the details because it's not podcast friendly on this one. <laughs> but one of the greatest stories she ever told me was about the last thing she remembered was going to Canada, and then she woke up being escorted back across the border. And she was no longer allowed in Canada. And that, that remained until she passed away. Wow. Uh, I should have asked for more detail. I got some details. There's a lot more questions I had that I was just too in shock to ask. But but anyway, we're here to talk about bass fishing up in you Way. And I want to know all about it. So we will start with Saturday. So it was two separate locations, correct? Or was I wrong with that?
5: Correct. Yeah, it's the same general area. Uh, only 20 minutes apart between the two lakes. But yeah, okay. same general area well so, start, start, first mike tell everybody we'll we'll, we'll go over there
2: directions real quick too oh yeah um, my, my, mike tell everybody who you are man sorry
5: uh mike moran uh i uh live in the gta in a uh, area called brampton grand theft auto uh,
4: <laughs> that's first thing that's it that's thinking video games i'm sorry yeah oh, so, okay. so,
5: so, so like the, the toronto area it's a big oh, okay. area yeah cool. um and uh i've been i've been fishing for about 10 years so ever since i was a kid but a little bit more seriously for the last 10 years and i've been uh uh doing competitive fishing probably for the last 8 um uh, started off doing a uh, border city classic uh out of Windsor. Yeah. uh and then uh started doing uh, the uh, okbt uh um its first year i think it was uh 2018 and uh yeah they have been really enjoying it. <laughs> cool. Ma- ma- Maple Leafs fan? Uh, Sure. But I grew up in Windsor, so I'm a little bit more of a uh, Red Wings fan. Oh, but... ah, okay. Cool. Uh, we're right across the- – I grew-, I grew up right across from Detroit.
4: Gotcha. The Red Wings and Preds, that's my jam.
2: <laughs>
5: Josh, Red Wings I'm are
3: looking sure. mighty good. Yeah. Potential. they got a lot of good rookies coming up. Yep. I
2: can't well, they've wait. Been, they've been bad for so long.
3: Oh, I know, but they look so good. They've been bad, but I love, like, they're one of
4: those, like, historical teams, man. You look back at the players, like, some of the the names that's passed through the Red Wings. Stacked, man. Oh, I know. Well, Josh, before we get, this becomes a hockey podcast, which would happen, (laughs) uh, tell us a little bit about yourself.
3: Yeah, so, um, obviously, you said it before. My name's Josh Hood. Um, I'm from Barrie, Ontario, which is about an hour north of Toronto. It's pretty much directly in between Georgian Bay and Toronto. Um, I've been fishing all my life ever since I could walk. And I think I started tournament fishing about three years ago out of a kayak. Um, but I got the bug of competitive fishing, probably when I was in my late teens, early teens of just, there's a local Derby, um, float fishing for steelhead actually. And, uh, I didn't catch anything, but I won a prize, and the adrenaline got me hooked, so.
4: (laughs) There you go. It's all about
3: the giveaways, man.
4: That's Oh, yeah. Door prizes are king. Uh, Well, now that we got the introductions out, I'm sorry I passed by that. I I get so genuinely into talking to you guys about y'all's area just because it seems so just, like, unreachable for me. Yeah. I don't know. I printed
3: off a map for you, so, like, we could get... Pretty descriptive, if you want, (laughs) though. Yeah, I'm I'm sitting
2: here looking at how it's. Are there any boundaries? Good lord,
3: (laughs) yeah. So, are you looking at Georgian Bay right now?
4: Yeah, here I can bring it up. Yeah, we can share the screen on the map. You can can share the
3: screen, that'd be great.
4: We're about to get a a lesson. I'm excited. (laughs) Do I need to bring it in for you, Dan? Or will, yeah, all right, here here we go.
3: There you go. Okay, so you're looking at the huge Georgian Bay itself. Uh, Zoom into the southeast corner towards Midland. Do you see Midland down there? Yeah. Okay, see that little fork uh, towards Wabashine, Midland, Honey Harbor? Right there. There. Yeah. Zoom into that. Yeah. So our boundaries was from the upper peninsula where to the right, right there. Yep. Yeah. All the way across to Boisley Island to the mainland. Okay. And we could fish all the water in between there and Wabashin pretty much. Wow. Okay. All right. So For everybody that's
4: here. not watching this, that is still a absolute shit ton of water. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's crazy. Well, okay. Since different you, opportunities. Since you've got the map and you seem very familiar with the area, give us a breakdown of that area, Like what kind of fishery it is, what, what the lay of the land is, you know, rocky, grassy, you know, just a little bit of a description.
3: Um, so it's kind of interesting because it, it lands pretty much right on the border of the Canadian Shield. So if you're familiar with that term, it's pretty much just all rock. It's bald rock um with uh i think they're deciduous trees um so like pine trees cedars um and then to the south part it's like they call it the saint lawrence lowlands it it would look like similar to new york okay Um, yeah it's like farmland there's a lot of agriculture um the
4: good part of new york for anybody wondering yeah (laughs) yeah not not new york city (laughs)
5: <laughs> no, no,
3: no. Um, but for water, uh, it's Mike. It was fairly clear. It's not like Simco clear, but it's
5: yeah. I the clarity was pretty good. Uh, I would say that uh, there was at least five feet. I would say maybe in most parts. Most maybe, parts, maybe, like maybe it dropped to about three in some areas.
3: Yeah, like I was seeing. So I was fishing a sandy flat area, um, and I could see down like. Eight feet barely Mm
1: -hmm. um
3: but i know like on the outskirts of bosley where you got like the currents coming in and out you'll you'll be able to see like 20 feet in early Mm -hmm. summer
4: i'm so jealous of all that northern clear water i just i want to experience that so bad to be able to i mean it's like sight like the only time i sight fish really is in the spring here you know spawners and it's mostly just because you know they're up shallow doing that business like that would be nuts to, excuse me, nuts to be able to do that, you know, year round. Cause I'm, I'm taking, I'm not taking a guess. I looked at the pictures covered up with small mouth, you know, and there were pretty much every it, lake is. Yeah. Yeah. Y'all call it some really, really nice ones too, which we'll get into. But, um, so yeah, that, that's a really good breakdown. I appreciate the detail. I, I like to nerd out a little bit. So you're, your detail on that was fantastic. Um, before we get into the fishing on that, I would, Mike, if you want to, tell us about the location of the Sunday event on Six Mile Island. Uh,
5: yeah, so uh, I only uh, I only had a day to uh, pre fish, but I uh, uh, chose to pre fish uh, kind of the southern end, um, probably the most. Uh, uh, you know, the, the end with like the most habitation. So there's lots of boats, there's lots of cottages, um, as opposed to the northern end where maybe it's a little bit uh, a little bit more wild. Um, uh, I I really the only moved about 200 meters from uh, where I launched all day. So I launched from uh, from a town and uh, ended up on a uh, a like a shallow gravel plain uh, that I found during pre-fishing. Uh, and I uh, ended up staying there all day. Um, my, my free fish was, uh, uh, pretty rough. It was, uh, probably, you know, 30 mile per hour winds and uh, like three foot swells coming off of the big bay. Um, and, uh, I was actually looking for a, uh, deep, uh, large mouth bite. So for several uh, miles, I was covering, uh, deep weeds, kind of looking for a bite, not finding much. Um, and then when I ran up on this spot, it was uh, a transition area from like uh, that that huge area of deep weeds uh, into uh, sand and gravel and mixed weeds. Uh, and as, as soon as I found it, uh, I loved it. It looked very fishy. Threw a couple casts out, caught a couple fish, j- just in, uh, which was which was tough to do on that day because of the the weather was quite bad. Um, <laughs> Uh, just to see that there was fish holding, and there were. Uh, probably only spent ten minutes there because uh, uh, there's a couple other spots I wanted to check out. Uh, but by the end of the day, I knew it was where I wanted to start out, and that's uh, where I had a I had several other g- game plans going into uh, Saturday. But uh, no need; <laughs> yeah, they, they were stacked on that spot when I got there on Saturday. Right is, from, is, right, from the, right from the start.
2: Is that kind of usually what you're looking for? Like some kind of. Transition from one area to one kind of
5: yeah, big time. It was kind of of
2: a rock or to grass, or
5: yeah, and it was kind of a um, like a double whammy kind of uh, transition area because it was a transition area not just from the weeds but uh, to the Canadian Shield rock uh, on the other side of the bay. So um, uh, if you went a little bit further, it was just like straight like rock uh, cliffs and things like that. Um, So it, it stood out to me for sure. Gotcha. Cool. Really cool. Well,
4: all right. Well, uh, Josh, let us know about, uh, kind of your breakdown of, you know, going into just your pre-fishing for Saturday and you know, how,
3: how you do it or did you fish any
4: history? You got some experience there?
3: Or... Um, so like I've fished like in around Wabashine and Port Severn, Port Severn, there's a, a, a pretty large dam that flows out of the Trent Severn waterway and there's a lot of water that comes out of there. So I know that area where Mike was fishing fairly well. Um, I knew it would get kind of pounded the weekend before because there was a large bass derby and it's kind of like a, a public spot. Um, so I tried to stay away from that and thinking that up around like Honey Harbour had potential and I knew there were some sand flats fairly close by that I could possibly find some smallmouth Um And I found, like, pre-fishing, I went there, I think, two weeks before because I I work daytime or, like, a Monday to Friday job, so I don't really have time during the week to go up there. But uh, um, I went up there two weeks before and fished around Quarry Island, um, and there's a massive sand flat, probably about a kilometer long, half a kilometer wide, um, ranging from, like, two feet to eight feet and all you're looking for is like if it's sand and there's like crab grass almost that just spreads across the whole bottom. Um, you're just looking for the differences. Like if there's a pe- weed patch, they'll set up on that or a large rock. Um, so like, I, I literally just went the whole flat and scanned everything. Didn't really catch any fish in practice, but I knew it had potential. So <laughs> worked so out. just
2: some kind of ice. Like, isolated cover within a, a flat
3: yeah so like with smallmouth up here on a sunny day and dead calm they'll move up into like three feet five feet so i knew with the weather coming up that they'll probably be move up i just by. didn't know that they would move up in that area so gotcha that's yeah. really cool
2: I... it, it looks good in that area looking at the map that quarry island.
4: yeah i was glancing at it uh, yesterday and it I mean, like everything else I look at on a map, I'm like, ooh, I want to fish some of that. But, yeah. um, So what state, so like with the pro bass boat guys in America or in the United States, they do the northern swing this time of year. You know, they try to hit all the best fishing as it's coming into the best fishing through the whole swing, they start in the south and like the early part of the year, and then they swing upwards. What what stage are the fish in up there? Are y'all like well into post spawn, or yeah. I I just know that it warms up so much slower up there. Mm-hmm. But yep. and again, anybody that's listening to this, and or maybe you don't know this, but it, it's also based off the photo period and time. It's not always about temperature. But I was just curious if y'all are what what y'all are seeing up there this time of year.
3: Um. Yeah, they're well off post spawn. They're like they're in their summer pattern. Like, full, yeah, full summer yeah, pattern. Like, full. what kind of,
4: yeah. what kind of, like you know, air and water temperatures do y'all have up up that way right now?
3: Were you reading in uh, degrees Fahrenheit, Mike?
5: <laughs> yeah, I was.
3: Um, Thank God, because I can't do that conversion.
5: <laughs> uh, I I remember Sunday. Uh, I I think uh, it was uh, it was seventies. Uh, I I'm pretty sure. Um, uh, mid mid uh, mid seventies uh, in the morning, and then it would go up to uh, go up a few degrees by the afternoon.
4: And that's air temp or water
3: temp? Water,
4: water temp. Water temp. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that's uh what's what's like warm. what's the yeah. warmest water y'all see? Is that about as warm as it gets up there?
3: No, like if if you're fishing the shallow weedy spots, you'll see upwards to like mid eighties, maybe. Okay, oh. but that's surface temp. So yeah, yeah. I,
4: I Well, here you go. So I was on Gunnersville last weekend on, on Saturday, and we had 92 in, like, 10-foot water.
3: Yeah, that's kind of unheard of up here.
4: Yeah. It's like <laughs> when, when we got out moving around, it's like standing in bath water, and I was, like, not about that life. No. <laughs> that's crazy. I just was curious. I just – I I didn't know if y'all are that much slower in the – the The cycles of fish as far as like pre-spawn, post-spawn you know, summer, going to the summer haunts but that's really cool there's a, a nice bridge of the gap for this guy that doesn't know anything about the whole Canada game
2: yeah, anytime we have people on north of border, I, I look and it's, man, it just all looks so much fun to fish, I'm, I'm sitting here looking at the map, it just really gotta get up there, it looks so good
4: yeah, got I gotta it. <laughs> I've got it. i have got <laughs> gotta fish past like I don't know let's say I fished Wisconsin, so I was up there. I was want to say you fish north, north,
3: north of us then if you fished Wisconsin.
4: Oh, that's a good point. <laughs> right? That's a good point. I think the Mississippi River is just a little bit different though. Uh it's it was that was a which at the same time this would be a whole new ball game. But the Sandy, I've said it before, Sandy bottom throws me for a loop. I don't know why. I'm so used to like I like like hydrilla grass. Mm chunk rock, you know, submerged stumps. Right. First time I got on the Mississippi River, and I was like, everything's sandy, and the currents sw- was, like, where I was at, the current switches directions, like, four times in between all these little islands and stuff like that, and I was just like, I don't know, I'm just here. I'm just going to donate this money to this tournament. No chance <laughs> in hell for this guy. But, uh, well, let's get I'd into... Like...
3: What's go, ahead. No, 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 I, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I would like to visit there at least once in my life, so... it's. If you go for nothing, I mean, obviously
4: you're gonna go for the fishing and fishing yeah. the Mississippi River. It's a fantastic place, but just Lacrosse itself is beautiful because that's where we were. Lacrosse, Wisconsin. Right. Yeah, it's it's literally a town just built around fishing. Like it's so cool, and the people are great. You've just felt like you're at home. Nobody was like, "Oh, you're from the south," because uh, I'm from down here in Alabama. I'm a long way away. <laughs> uh, Dan is too, actually, yeah. but. Really cool place. I, I feel like, and you, I don't think I've ever talked to anybody that's gone up there and been like, Yeah, I don't think I'd ever go back to lacrosse. It wasn't that great. Everybody loves it. So, everybody was bummed out this year that none of the big kayak trails went. Uh, they've they've hit it like three or four years in a row and then just completely ditched on it. And that's
3: just doesn't hurt. Hobie have one up like the Fox or something up there. Yeah, that's the one coming yeah, up
2: this weekend.
4: Oh, yeah. I've never heard of the areas. Um,
3: and then, I, but I've heard
4: split things like. A lot of the people I know local there, you're like, oh, it's nothing. And then you talk to local people up there that I don't know that well. They're like, oh, there's going to be some big ones called. It's a it's a hidden gem. So I'm curious to see how that one plays out, considering not that many people have signed up for it. Yeah, I would love to as much as you hope to see that roster fill up. It'd be really cool to see like just the 69 or however many people are signed up show up and then you see like like these bags y'all call like 97 inch bags of smallies called it, it somewhere. Nobody wanted to go that but guarantee they will go next year, you know? Well, let's, uh, let's get into uh, y'all Saturday. Uh, whoever wants to start, I want, I want to hear about the tournament. Now let's talk about, you know, uh, how was the weather? We'll, we'll start with Mike. But I'll let you start on saturday just because you were talking about how your pre-fishing was dealing with some crazy wind and weather so
5: yeah d- d- totally opposite on uh, on game day uh saturday and sunday were like idyllic they were just beautiful um uh, how, how was the way it, it was like dead calm in the morning uh the wind was shifting around a bit uh so you'd go from dead calm to maybe i don't know five miles per hour it was just a beautiful beautiful day for fishing um uh, my, uh, my morning started off, uh, pr- pretty good, <laughs> but a little, but a little bit, uh, a little bit concerning. So I-, I got to my spot and, uh, my first fish of the day was, uh, uh, a 20 plus and, uh, and I, uh, uh, got it on a, uh, 110, uh, whopper plopper. And, uh, he, uh, jumped three times and threw it. And I thought that was it. I was like, that was my big, that was, that was my, uh, big morning bite. And, uh, I mm. uh, threw, uh, threw out a, uh, a Texas worm uh, on the next shot, and the uh, next fish was a 19.75. That looks small compared to that one I just lost, um, and it was kind of on from there. Uh, there was just big schools of uh, smallies going through the area, and uh, I was just trying to follow them around for the first few hours, and uh, um, uh, yeah, I put up a pretty good card uh, just uh, before 10 o'clock. It was a great start.
4: I, I'm, I'm glad to know that the whopper plopper is international because we definitely <laughs> I, throw that bad boy down here. <laughs> I, I, uh, I,
5: I had, uh, I had two fish. I had two fish on, uh, the whopper plopper all day. I threw it, I threw it twice. Uh, I lost both of them and, uh, put it away for the rest of the day. they they were just, uh, uh, you know, the one ten is not a small lure. And, uh, if you can't if you can't keep them in the water, like there's even you know, even if you have them hooked well, uh, there's a good chance that they're gonna throw it if you can't, if you can't keep them down. So uh, uh, I just couldn't keep them down, so I uh, I had to put it away. <laughs> That's... Even though even though they're smashing it, they they wanted it. Uh, it was working real good, but
4: nah, Man, I had to put it away. I've put in so much time with that thing, and that is a one bait that I can tell you is so reliant. I mean, you got to have the right rod set up. You got to have the right line set up like something I've uh, played with the most recent uh, because the last, so I took a trip out, it was actually with a choppo. Um Same difference for anybody that for some reason wouldn't know the difference. Um, same style plopping bait and every fish I hooked, every, it was all smallmouth, Every fish I hooked on the Chapo would throw it. Same rod reel line set up I've used for the uh, plopper. So this most recent trip, I upsized the hooks on it. Just mm-hmm. as much as you could without it, you know, being able to swing into the, the actual prop. Mm-hmm. And I did not lose a single fish, like good, whether it. they got airborne or not. So maybe I've unlocked the secret finally with that freaking bait. Cause I'm like you, if I get three on and they both flop, that bait's not coming back out of that box all day. I don't care if they're biting it or not. But
5: yep. I'm, I'm making notes right now. <laughs> <laughs>
4: I couldn't tell you what size it was on the 110, but I know that it's, if you looked at my, or was it? No, it's a 75 Whopper Plopper on, on this one. Um, if you look at the hooks on it, you would think it's ridiculous because they Mm -hmm. look so disproportionate to the bait, but it still runs exactly the same. It takes a little bit more to get it moving. Like you have Mm -hmm. to kind of like rod tip up to get it cruising. Mm -hmm. But I, I can honestly say and swear I've done that on uh, two different ones and I haven't lost because well, one was the Whopper Plopper 75 one was the Berkeley Chopo not the big one I don't know what their sizes are I can't remember but uh, and the same thing you know it, it just seems to pin them now because uh, I, I think that they come with decent hooks factory both of them
5: yeah they do they're but,
4: sharp yeah especially the Chopo is super pokey I got a hole in my thumb right now from <laughs> doing that um, but yeah And uh, do the same thing on your spooks too. If you throw, I don't know if y'all throw them walking baits up there for smallies, but upsize the hooks two size on your all your spooks and thank me later because go to trick there. But anyway, (laughs) so you had a smashing day one. um, And looking at it, he's not even kidding about having some big bites. My man's got a twenty one inch smallmouth on the board and. I'm so jealous. That's such a big fish. Was the, So do, the 21 that you landed, do you think the yes. one that you lost at the beginning of the day was bigger than that?
5: I, I think it was pretty comparable. Like I, it was definitely over 20 inches. Like I, I can't, I can't say for sure. All I know is that I caught the next fish was a 1975 and it was, and it, it jumped as well. And it was visibly smaller. Um, but, uh, but that's kind of the way that my day went. Like, uh, it was the kind of day where you could afford to make, uh, some pretty terrible mistakes <laughs> and still do really well i lost uh, at least three fish over 19 um and, and i guess my only regret of the day is i got stuck with a 1775 seven, like the day like the that number could have been easily like uh you know 90, 99 uh so it, it was the kind of day you didn't have to be perfect S- sunday i had to be i had to be good on sunday sunday was, was pretty tight but uh um, not saturday
4: <laughs> so i'm gonna throw it out here is it that- me asking you if that fish was bigger and you saying an honest answer is the most Canadian thing ever. Because if you asked any American man was the one you <laughs> lost bigger. Oh yeah. It ate it. That was a 24, nine pound small man. And you can yeah, new, new Canadian record.
5: Probably. I think. Yeah.
4: You yeah. were completely honest. And <laughs> that's just <laughs> the very Canadian answer. So a good job. But, well, Josh, what about your day one, man? How, how was yours? Were you smacking on them like that too? <laughs>
3: I just want to make something very clear. Mike had a card that is like unheard of up here, like a 97 and three quarter. That by 10 o'clock, that's like unheard of. And catching a 21 incher, like, it's ridiculous.
5: It actually, it actually set a new, uh, it set a new record for the, uh, for the tour. <laughs> set a new record for the series. So yeah, that was
4: that was the big reason I leaned this way. There were we, I looked at two tournaments that we were going to decide between, and then like I guess I missed it the first time because what we do is we try to find the biggest tournament that happened, uh, and so I saw the amount of anglers first, and then when I clicked back on it, when Dan said, "Yeah, your pick," and I was like, "Wait, what?" Ninety-seven and three quarters, and I was like, "It's got to be largemouth." And I clicked that first picture, and it's a twenty-one inch smallmouth. I was like, "Yep, nope, calling these guys." Like,
3: (laughs) need to talk about this. Yeah, Yeah, no, like that's okay. Just to give you a scenario, like my my day uh, on Georgian Bay. Like, I went to my first spot, and uh, I was fishing for sixteen inches. (laughs) <laughs> because i thought that could win <laughs> um little did you know you had already yeah, lost it. All, yeah <laughs> and like i have a thing that i don't check the board until like 10 o'clock um and i caught my two 16 inchers and uh i caught a 20 incher that i saw on uh, live scope actually i saw a blob out in front of me and followed it around and pitched to it and caught it um but that's the that best time, way to was, put fish
4: on live scope blob yeah <laughs>
3: yeah. Yeah. So um I uh I thought like 20 inches that's going to be biggest fish of the day. Submit it, look at the board and I saw Mike <laughs> with 97 inches. So I was I, I was a little bit peeved. <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> wait, yeah. wait, would your day would would that have been the the new record for the club too?
3: 93? No, I had uh 95 I think back in the spring. Um, oh, okay. fishing for smallmouth out of Northern Lake,
5: like up. up yeah, yeah, North and, 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 and you won that one, right, Josh? Yeah. Yeah. So um it's... I think Josh J- El gets uh props because his uh, uh his drive broke. And Josh uh, Josh was paddling a uh, a PA twelve uh for both tournaments and uh, and manned up and uh and got it done. Yeah uh,
4: wow.
5: it was very impressive. <laughs>
4: I think it's yeah. damn funny that the first thing Dan said was, "Oh, so you have a Hobie. That's, that's
5: so messed up. But it's
1: so true.
2: I have a Hobie. <laughs> so
1: yeah. Hey, yeah. You
3: know. yeah.
2: Why, if why if if I mean, you obviously fish a lot of big water up there, why the 12 instead of a 14? Yeah. It's
3: affordability.
4: okay like thank uh, you for being brutally honest i like that because most people are like well it's too big
3: and you're like no it's expensive (laughs) yeah like um (laughs) it was the right price to be honest um that's probably why my drive broke three years in but uh (laughs) um so is that a is it a 180 drive or 360 it's a it's a 180 turbo v2 i think so okay yeah i have fog marines the main dealer up and around this area, and I'm going to visit them tomorrow so that way we have uh, the Bass, yeah, we have the Bassmaster uh, qualifier, I think, in two weeks, Mike. And uh, yeah. I need to get it before that, so <laughs> <laughs> which I would think with that drive,
4: it'd probably be a lot easier. I know that, yeah, we're my the shop I work with, they're a Hobie dealer, and 360 drive swaps is a little more of a challenge, but 180. I mean, we keep most of the parts for those. So yeah. is yours yeah. new enough to have the kick-up
3: fins or no? I wish. I have like, I've been on the market for them and I, I can't find them. So I don't yeah. know if Hobie doesn't sell like the kick-up fins by themselves or like, do I have to? For my refap- understanding,
4: and I could have this wrong, is that you can't convert the non-drive.
3: Or yeah, that you can but... and that almost costs oh,
4: the you? same as one. I can't remember. I, I can ask a buddy and I'll shoot you an email because I know my buddy was dealing with it and it ended up because he has an Outback, had an Outback right. pre-kickup yeah. and it ended up, he just sold the Outback and bought a new one with kickup. So it must not be that easy to track down or convert. No. Or he would have done yeah. it. So
3: I'm kind of mad at Hobie so, for that reason, but whatever.
4: I mean, it's a, it's a, uh, it's a business game. It's like, this is yeah, how you keep your sure. customers. <laughs> you make them yeah.
3: upgrade yeah that's what
4: um, they thought i'm not getting into this i was about to start talking shit never mind we're gonna keep going yeah i um, can totally talk shit
3: with you so <laughs> <laughs> i drive like i use one but I, i'm at the same time i'm like i kind of hate hobie but i love the it like i love to drive so <laughs> yeah
4: take the good with the bad yeah, yeah. it's a love
3: love hate relationship right now so
4: yeah i i see it so many times there's so many stories man everybody gets mad at those things and then you turn around will get rid of it no I can. It's such a great platform. Then shut up. Like, let's go. Yeah. Well, so you you kicked ass with, uh, what started with 16s. I mean, you had a, you still had an outstanding day. You caught a bunch of good fish. So keep going. Yeah. On that. How how'd that goes. So,
3: um, typically with smallmouth in around this area, they don't like. You can start sight fishing for them like in high sun, um, early morning. They're kind of harder to find unless you like really do your research and find them out deep um, but uh, so I was I was fishing some shallower shoals like from five to 10 feet kind of with isolated rock out deeper and all I was catching was 18 or not 18s 16 inches a couple 12s that I never even put on the board um, and then uh, my drive broke probably around 7:30. Oh, and, damn! Really early. Yeah, yeah, um, and like I started debating, like, do I go in? Like, can I? W- if the like, I started looking at the wind. I'm like, well, the wind doesn't look too too bad. Like, I I could probably pat- paddle back, um, but I only had the one Hobie paddle. Like, I didn't have the dual. So I'm like, oh okay, my god. god, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I yeah. didn't know that. No, so, um...
4: He's straight canoe paddling this damn thing. Like, <laughs> uh, Jesus yeah.
3: Christ. Yeah, so, um... First time for everything, right? Um, but, uh...
4: On that side, so, I hope it's the last, bro. That's terrible. Yeah,
3: yeah to be fair, sat- Saturday night, I went to Canadian Tire, which is, like, I guess Academy Sports. Um, down in the States, to give you a comparison. Um, and picked up a new Pelican catch paddle. Like, it's just the regular, but, um... So that way I had that on Saturday or Sunday. (laughs) Um, (laughs) All right.
4: Was there any
2: thought thought that you weren't going to fish the the Sunday too?
3: Sunday? So um, Paul Winkle, give him a shout out. Um, He's really like the Hobie representative for the OKB series. Kind of like everybody that has any questions about Hobies would talk to him. Um, And that's what I did. He's like, just drill a hole, jam something in like, so to give you a scenario, it's my rear fin that, uh, all the teeth on the, like where, where the chains sit, the chains were just sliding right along the, where the teeth were. There's no teeth. So I had a front working pedal, but I didn't have my rear. Like it was all floppy and foldy. Um, so yeah. So I went to go talk to him. He's like, yeah, just drill a hole in between the chain and jam something in there. I'm like, okay, sounds great. Go home that night, um, do that. And I could only really get like a 20 degree angle out of it because your chain moves up as your pedal goes forward. Right, yeah. So me not thinking, I'm like, oh yeah, that kind of doesn't work. Um, With the great idea, like I I work in trade. So I'm like, oh, I'll just use like self tapping drywall screws and I'll just screw like three of those in the bottom. And that should be great. Like And it, and it worked for the first hour and on Sunday. And then uh, all my screws were gone. And then uh, I was back to the same scenario on Saturday. Um, and then like a couple hours, oh no, like half hour after that, my front fin stopped working. So I guess with all the torque from Saturday, because I was still using my front fin, I could get it up to like three or four kilometers an hour, which I don't know, two miles, like walking speed. Slow walking speed. Still battling. Um, yeah, very much so. Um, so for anybody listening,
4: this is what catastrophic failure looks like. Oh, yeah. you always hear about race. If you're a race car guy, and I know we got a bunch of those guys that listen. This is the equivalent to grenading your engine because this is terrible. Like this thing. Oh, yeah. broke. I've heard a bunch of broke. Typically, it's cracked mast, bent mast. Loose adjusters. No, like you had no teeth on your shit anymore. That's nuts. Like
3: Yeah, yeah. Like I never seen or heard of anything like that happened like that before. Like I have to replace my spine or skeleton or whatever it's called. Did Um, did it like start to go and you could tell or was it just like something nothing? No, like uh, all of a sudden like there was I like when the first one went, I noticed something was up. I lifted it up and my fin just like folded right over. I'm like, Oh shit. Um, but, um, yeah, like it just happened. I didn't hit anything like within that morning to be fair. <laughs> so it could have happened like, I don't know, two weeks ago or three weeks ago. Um, but I don't know.
4: Okay. Well, before we get back to you talking about you catching your good fish, if anybody that listens to this, that listens to this has any kind of hobby connections or is looking to, Give this man some support from the Hobie oh, end yes. of it. I feel like he has proven <laughs> y'all's product. He broke your shit, broke the shit out of your shit, and then paddled it around for two days and still caught a bunch of good smallmouth.
5: Like,
3: <laughs> yeah. give this man some love. Mouth, to be fair, like <laughs> I, I diversified. I didn't just catch smallies. So, well,
4: all right. Well, so get back. Get back on your you yeah. Sorry. The, no, 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 no. This has been great. So you you were catching some fish. You realized that that uh mike is on a just unheard of bag so did you did you make any changes to
3: your game to start looking for bigger fish? no so like as soon as i caught the 20 i stayed in that area like i just picked apart i didn't really have an area to go to because my fin was broken and my original game plan if you're looking at the map um was go to the west side of quarry and then shoot over to you see that long skinny Island between Corey and Bosley. I was going to go to there. There's a nice grass flat on the bottom of that with rocks. And then I would shoot up to uh, the bottom of Bosley, which is like supposedly has giants. Um, But I, I never was able to get out there pre-practice because of the wind. And like out there, you can have five foot rollers in a heartbeat. Like it changes that quick. Um, but it was pretty clear on Saturday. So I was willing to risk it. Um, but yeah, so come uh 10 o'clock ish, I saw Mike had a 20 and I just picked apart the area um, and found like a school ish. Um, they were all individual fish, but they were all relatively within like probably a five, hundred meter stretch, let's say. Um, and then, uh, yeah, like I also I sight fished all my fish on the board except for the 20, which is
4: really fun. So you, you had mentioned you were live scoping, but you also mentioned that, you know, when, when you got a little higher up in the day, you could, you could see them. Are you using those in a combination? Like you kind of locate your, yeah, fish and then sight fish or were you, I know like when I sight fish, I stand the whole time and I find everything without my graph. Like it's like yeah. once I get to that area, the graph
3: doesn't even play anymore. Yeah, pretty much. Um, like early in the morning when the visibility is kind of sucky, like yeah, I was using it pretty, like pretty reliably or re- reliable, sorry. Um uh But yeah, like as soon as 10, 10 o'clock came up and the sun came up overhead, um then I started moving shallow and I previously marked out like in the morning when I was heading to the spot, I ran over some new shoals that were, they weren't really shoals; they were just rock cutouts, kind of thing, with pebble rock, and separated the the sand grass flat. So I I hit that up and found some fish on the round or like around the edges, and just drifted around that area. Like I didn't really have anywhere else to go on Saturday, so just fished.
4: <laughs> I was gonna say, well, for good reason.
3: Yeah. But uh, what what were you
4: catching them on, if you don't mind saying? Um, a flatworm. Yeah.
3: Yeah, drop drop platform.
0: No. flatworm. Um, flat up here, log.
3: yeah, they feed on gobies a lot. So like, you you use a lot. I know a lot of people use like twelve to fourteen. It depends on your visibility, but like I was using like an eight inch liter, six inch liter to keep it lower to the bottom. Um, but like I could see fish, and like they would be swimming around the boat. Um, and if I moved or something, they. would obviously be a little skittish because it's a well fished area. Like they're fairly pressurized. Um, so I, I just kind of pitched in front of them or tried to follow them around a little bit. Or even sometimes like I, I knock my, uh, pop, like smallies up here are really attracted to like rock noises. So if I was around knock or a rock, uh, I'd slap my uh, push bowl down to the bottom and just like stir up the bottom. And that's like, that would, drawing some fish so hmm. uh, yeah that shit don't work here I'm gonna throw it out there. <laughs> yeah it's pretty neat like uh in the spring event i had a bedding fish and like this is how i got on to that kind of thing like um and i've used it a couple times like just fun fishing see if it worked um but yeah like i was on a bed bedding fish i knew it was there and i put my pole down and it started like attacking my boat put my pole up and I was still in the same area and like was totally docile like so I don't know it could just be a me thing and it's just a hypothesis but like I don't know seems to uh, work that's <laughs> been doing this for, for
2: years I've never heard that before that. yeah
3: I know right like I don't know like I know they're attracted to rock noises because it's crayfish right so like, yeah, right. Um, like every single time like something stirs up on the bottom then who knows
4: and everybody always says well, let's keep in mind here that smallmouth are not the smartest of all of the the black bass species. We yeah. always we always talk about how stupid they are. You know, their friend gets caught and all of them follow him up like, "Oh, what's happening to <laughs> what's happening to Carl?" Oh, that's the thing that took him away. I'm
3: going to bite it too. Yeah. I didn't see any followers on Saturday, too, which was kind of surprising. Like yeah. I was expecting to find a school and they're all individual fish and maybe that's why they were bigger but um they're all relatively in the same area
4: well that's awesome well you did uh mike did put a a whole lot of gap on you which was just like you said unheard of fishing up there numbers wise and size wise but you still had a fantastic day with 93 and a half uh for for that day one so still a killer job but let's uh we'll, we'll go ahead and move into to the next day because there was a second tournament a little bit different area. Um, you know, Josh, we'll let you start this one since Mike started. We'll, we'll let Mike finish out on his second win of the weekend. Uh, hmm. A little bit closer race on this one. But uh, tell, tell us the differences between we, – we know the kayak differences between day one. You went from slight failure to absolutely shit. <laughs> um, did, so now tell me this. Did you – going into your second day, you had boat problems? so you knew there was a a chance you couldn't cover the distance that you had probably planned on did you go ahead and change your game plan to stay relatively in an easy paddle area just in case the worst happened so um
3: my original game plan was to fish like i launched out of a launch that not many people knew of and it's kind of like a, a back road launch like not many people with Hobies would feel comfortable launching there because you literally slide down the side of the road in between rocks. Um, you scratch up, yeah, you, you you scratch up your boat pretty good. Um, but I knew like it's the only launch that I could really get to good fishing areas fairly fast, even if I didn't have a working drive. Um, so I launched out of there. It's the I think it was on the north west side of the lake or no, northeast side of the lake. Um, and then I came around the one point and there was a, a series of shoals um, that were fairly close to where the main inflow of like the, the water, like the main inflow for, of the lake came in. So I knew like if fish were around that area then they'd be pushing up on those shoals in the morning. Um, it's totally different than like the great lake fishing because it's like a T colored almost in some areas, in some areas it's like really clear. And I, I, to be fair, like it's, it's six mile. So they have like, it, it's can be muddy and it can be tea and it can be clear in some days. <laughs> you just never know. Like, cause it's coming in from the Trent Severn waterway, which it, it pulls from a lot of different water, water bodies. Let's just say that. Yeah um yeah so um came around the point it was like six o'clock it was the first shoal. uh i started spooking some bluegill um 601 picked up top water walking bait i think um black sammy uh i think it's called yeah sammy um pitched out like horrible cast and caught a 20 incher so i'm like it's gonna be a good day (laughs) And then, uh, so I picked apart that area because it was a topwater bite, missed a few 16-inchers, 17-inchers, um, and started to waste time, pretty much. Like, I, I followed, I caught a 16-incher in, like, 60 feet of water because um, I started following a live, or, sorry, uh, a bait school off the shoal. Um, so, that I don't know if they were smelt or minnows or whatever. Um, but the smallmouth were chasing them around. I caught a smallmouth off that, which I thought was pretty interesting. 60 feet of water, smallmouth, topwater. Um, and then by 10 o'clock, I didn't have a card filled. Ten eleven, started to go back to my launch. I'm like, well, might as well start calling it a day. Fished the uh, shoals again and filled my card with a couple 16s. I think a, uh, and I think a seventeen maybe, and then uh, went on the other side of where I started my original, where I caught the twenty from. Pretty much, I don't know, two hundred meters away, um, and caught a nineteen seventy five largemouth on a jig. So that was that was pretty much the last catch of the day, I think, for me. And that was 11 o'clock. So it was a slow. Totally different day. Yeah. 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 Like I had lots of opportunities in the morning to probably have a 90 inch bag, but I just couldn't capitalize. Like I lost a lot of key fish on a jig too. Like I had some smallmouth that would follow it out and they eat it. I had one like that literally ate it at the side of the boat, jumped over my boat and hit the side, like the gunwale. And popped right off, so it was probably like a 17 inch yeah, yeah. Yeah, it that does suck. That's my yeah. kind of luck. Yeah. Well, but Mike, I was happy uh, with the 1975. I think that was personal best largemouth for me. So.
5: It was a uh, fish of the day, too, right?
3: Yeah. Big fish of the day. That's Congrats. awesome.
5: Well, uh,
4: let's get into uh, to yours, Mike, and then I I got a little bit of a follow up question for it. But how was? How is what is it like changing bodies of water day to day for a tournament? That's nuts to me to like. Uh, like it's,
5: it's, this it's, is how it's, I did here,
4: and literally have to throw all of that out the window,
2: <laughs> um, and to go one two again. That's crazy.
5: Honestly, it's just it, it's just fun. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, uh, the saddest thing for me after a tournament is if I don't have one right after. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know i'm yeah you know, I, I got two more of this i got two more this weekend i'm going out pre-fishing uh thursday friday you know what i mean so i'm uh i'm uh you know i'm on to the next uh as soon as the uh the last one's over so 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 i, I was I was, super, I was super jazzed to get out there and try to win another one
4: well tell tell us how you did it uh how did you um, approach this this body of water on this day
5: well, I only prefished fished it uh, one day and I had my five-year-old in the back of the Hobie too. <laughs> uh, so maybe it wasn't the best quality of, uh, of pre-fish, but I, d- I did find some good spots. Uh, and uh, this spot really stood out to me. It was It's a bottleneck between two sections of the lake. Uh, the only way to get through uh, for boaters is through this like very narrow bottleneck. And I tend to have uh, really good luck at these kinds of places where... Uh, um the fish are also forced through that uh, that spot as well. Yeah. Um and I, I don't know. I, I just find that smallmouth really love uh turbulent water uh in the middle of the day. And I'm talking like every 15 seconds there was somebody like full throttling through uh this uh this narrow pass. Um and uh I, I don't know what it is about boats going through narrow passes. Uh in smallmouth, like maybe uh they're uh, bait fish get, uh, get injured or something. Cause uh, a lot of times I'll just wait until a boat goes through and then I'll cast after the boat has gone through and then they will be will there um, uh, feeding, um, uh, the morning. Uh, so, so basically uh, it's a lot like the first day. Uh, I probably didn't move more than, uh, uh, you know, 500 feet, uh, all day. I stayed in a, pr- a pretty small area and did a bit of a circuit. Uh, my morning bite was pretty similar to, uh, Josh's. There was uh, feeding bait fish and they were getting slammed on surface by, uh, by largemouth. Uh, so I would, uh, I was just kind of, uh, the, the gulls were giving them away too. I was kind of just like darting from uh, spot to spot in about, uh, 10 to 15 feet of like deep weeds. Uh, and they, they were coming up and, and hitting bait. And I was, uh, I just had a, a Texas Cinco with a five-aught and uh, was just waiting until I saw a um, largemouth surface and I was like just throwing at them. And uh, that's how I got my first fish of the day, which was uh, my big one, which was a 19-inch uh, largemouth. Um, and then uh, uh, so when, the thing, when, when things slowed down a me. bit, I, I covered a little bit more water with with the same bite with uh, the Whopper Plopper and got a, got a 17-inch doing mm-hmm. that. What was she saying there?
2: don't want to with school and fish
5: then no? huh oh. yeah like I, I think I think they're probably individual because uh, they're kind of like spread out I don't I think they are individual big ones coming up um, and, and really I'm just throwing that Senko with the five odd hook because like my hook my uh, my I'm just hoping that they're gonna go for it if they're in a uh, heavy feeding mode and uh, I love my hookups with like a big five uh, you know uh, worm hook. <laughs> so uh so that's generally what i'm what i'm going to throw in that situation Je- like and, and i and i have better things to throw but uh <laughs> i it just especially from my uh experiences the day before i just wanted good hookups you know what i mean I, even if i got less hookups uh, i just wanted to bring those ones uh no um, no no apart.
4: heartbreaks you want them to get them in
5: uh, exactly exactly and and i could tell they're big so i was uh because the, uh, the surface splashes were, were pretty significant. So uh, um, I wanted to make sure I got them in. <laughs> um, and then after that, uh, the pattern changed a bit. So uh, um, it was uh, kind of deep, maybe 15 feet uh, gravel uh, bottom for a big section uh, during, in this narrow pass with uh, weeds on the side. And, uh, kind of just did a big circuit of this area and I kept reloading and reloading and reloading. Um, <clears throat> I saw some bigger fish. I, I think I saw one over 20 that, that, uh, I, I worked on for about an hour until he left the area. I just couldn't get him. Um, uh, I, he would, I was throwing a lot of, uh, heavy Ned rigs. So like, uh, some pretty heavy, net uh, Ned rig on, on pretty heavy weight, um, uh, to, to get it down that deep, uh, nice and quick. And, uh, I, I kept, uh, getting him to come chase, but, uh, uh, I was getting 14 inch after 14 inch, uh, who was getting it before him and he was coming up chasing, uh, with them. And, uh, uh trying to get that fish off as quick as I could and throw back at him, but, uh, I just, I, I couldn't, I couldn't get him. I worked on him for about an hour. Uh, but, uh, with that pattern, I got, uh, I pretty much got the rest of my bag, uh, That's awesome. but, 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 but it was a bit of a grind. So, uh, Josh was beating me up, uh, until the, uh, uh, the board shut down an hour before uh, the tournament was over, uh, and then I, I just kept grinding and out, and uh, uh, eventually uh, an area reloaded that I hadn't been to for a while, and uh, I got my seventeen seventy-five that I needed. Uh, without that fish, I was I dropped down third. So, wow. so that that was an important one. I, I needed everything. I didn't lose any fish. Yeah. I needed everything I caught. So it was it was a good day.
4: Yeah, that's killer. So the the, the follow up question I had for this was, you know, you mentioned Josh that nineteen seventy five was your PB, uh, large mouth and you know big fish of the day. So does this particular body of water have the size caliber fish to get in those upper nineties like y'all did the day before, yeah. or is yeah, or is this yeah, like yeah, a probably. jamming day on
3: this? So it does get better out there. Like if I if I had working drive, I do feel like. I could have got a like not upper 90s, but a low 90s. Like it's not, it's not like, uh, it's not a 97 inch bag, but it's, it's a 91, 92 maybe. So I still got, still got enough of the good ones. Yeah.
4: And so, and relatively speaking, is, is like a 19 and three quarter bass just, is that like really big for y'all there? Or do you hear about the big 21s and 22s up there and up?
3: No, it's, that's a large, large, Sorry, that's a large, large mouth. Um, but yeah, smallmouth always get bigger up in there on this area. So, right. There are the 20 inchers and probably 21s in some of the lakes up here, but you really got to find them.
4: That is so crazy to think about that. Like, it's like smallmouth dominated. That's really cool. Yeah. But at the same time, I don't know if I could go over somewhere. You can't catch one of those like big, big ones. Y'all need to come down and fish the south some. Like oh, I was,
3: I was planning on it. 23-inch
4: 20, largemouth on a frog.
3: Yeah. Highly recommend. <laughs> I got a second cousin that lives down on Alabama. Or down in Alabama on, on one... Is it the Coosa River? Yeah. yeah that's that's yeah, where I yeah. live. So he, he has a, a boat boathouse, I guess they call it down there, um, or lake house, uh, on the Coosa. And I guess I gotta go visit him because I've heard some good things about the area.
4: <laughs> yeah, the Kusa, you're gonna get on some like Magnum Spotted Bass. Uh, oh, really? Eh? Oh, yeah. It' not quite smallmouth fight, but damn close. Yeah. Um, if you can get up, if you're if you can make it tr- like a good trip out of it, you could go there, drive a couple hours north, hit Lake Gunnersville for giant largemouth large swing down to pick pickwick and catch some of our river smallies or our lake smallies probably not as cool as y'all's but they're still they're still nice yeah uh dan could talk on that i've caught good river smallies up in the creeks dan's caught some of those footballs offshore because i can't do that but
3: yeah how do they like set up offshore down there for you guys
2: um honestly i don't ever target smallmouth on the tennessee river it's always just fishing ledges fishing for uh or largemouth, and then I just happen to come across smallmouth too. Sometimes they group up in the same areas, or if you're at behind the tail races at a dam, yeah, yeah,
1: they they do
2: get up there. So yeah, not. I wouldn't say, you know, just typical ledge stuff and behind dams and stuff like that. Nothing.
4: I I would definitely say too smallmouth. Yeah, yeah, I definitely say most of the smallmouth that I've like bit on the boat when they're getting caught like that is definitely tail race. Like he's saying, occasionally like you'll find a school set up on a ledge and it may just look like a smaller school and you can like crank to them and it, you end up pulling them up and it's small mouth. And I never pull them up cause I don't do that, but uh, no. that's usually how it sets up. As far as that, I I stick to the skinny water smallmouth, which what Mike was talking about uh, out at six mile, like the the bottleneck, heavy current. Something you were saying, Mike, I've noticed the same thing too with with smallmouth for sure. When a boat goes by, if it stirs the bait up, that's the one trigger they need to start just crushing on them. Uh, I definitely haven't used it to my advantage as much. I usually am in areas that... Where the current is, the boats couldn't get to anyway. But that's something to keep in mind. Especially, you know, for all, all our listeners out there, that's a really good little ticket to to keep in mind if uh, yeah. you are fishing for smallies in areas where you've got some, you know, like you said, turbulent waters due to a bunch of traffic in a small area. That could really fire them up if they're in the area. Well, guys, that's, that was a really fun show. Uh, yeah, one of sure. you uh, hammered out an unheard of bag, and the other one overcame tons of adversity based <laughs> off his kayak. Damn you, Hobie. Um, <laughs> but again, man, we, we really appreciate y'all, appreciate y'all coming on and hanging out with us for a little bit. Help us you know, spotlight y'all up there a little bit. Let everybody know that kayak fishing does happen up there, and they, y'all do catch some, some killer bags. And oh Yeah. Uh, we, I'm sure we'll have, uh, you know, hopefully we'll have y'all back on soon because we do, uh, I think since we first found out about it, I think I've had somebody from the OKBT trail on every year since then. Ooh. So I'm sure, you know, y'all keep kicking butt. We'll have you on, uh, have you on again. But yeah. uh, this is where we get to the show. You know, we want to let y'all uh, shout out anybody that helps y'all out as far as sponsors or family or anything. So uh, Josh, if you want to start, if you got any, any shout outs or if you want to shout out, in a negative way to a certain branding right now. I'll let you do that too.
3: <laughs> no, no, no. I think I've, I've chirped them enough already, <laughs> so I'll just keep it at that. Um, no, I, I'm I'm not really sponsored by anybody. I um, I I just fish because I like to fish, and if anybody's want, willing to sponsor me, then I'm totally open to that. But uh, I do have like I'm a brand ambassador. They give me free clothing and i just post uh post stuff on social media about them and that's pretty much it i wouldn't really call them a sponsor but it's a uh, true nor strong um they're a cool local company up here they support like uh tobacco free living um so, and it works in my kind of lifestyle because it's like um spend more money on fishing gear right like if, if you're not uh, spending on smokes and stuff so um hey, so, Amen. Uh, yeah. Like kind of fits in my kind of lifestyle. Um, but no, I'd really like to thank my uh, parents. Um, they've been really supportive of me these, this past the year, pretty much. I've, I've been able to take a couple days off from work um, and at least do one day of practice for every tournament. So, and that's really helped me out this year. I haven't really been able to do that in the past. So it's kind of just got me familiarized with some local ballers of water and
5: yeah awesome cool. yeah what about you mike uh a couple of people first of all my wife uh okay we, we do have <laughs> uh guy. well we have three we have three young children one of them uh, being a newborn so just just the fact that i'm able cool. to go co- compete uh honestly is a a big uh, blessing and i'm uh, very lucky to be able to do it um and uh of course john dean who uh without which we uh, wouldn't have these great opportunities to uh, go out and compete and do what we love. So, yeah, thank, uh, you, thank you, John. Thank you, John, for organizing uh, these tournaments, man. Yeah. Awesome. Shout out awesome. to all the
3: guys that I was fishing alongside, too. Like uh, Brady Williams, he's a buddy of mine. He helped me launch in the morning at Six Mile because it is kind of a crappy launch. And um, Big Mike <laughs> on uh, Georgian Bay. He was, he was helping me out on Georgian Bay, making sure I got back to the launch okay. So that, that was great. That's
4: awesome. awesome. Yeah. Well, it's nice to know you cashed a few checks that could go straight over to uh, baby diapers and stuff oh. like that, Mike. So that Dude. money that money was well yeah, it's, spent it's, already. It's
5: unfortunately not really going to fix stuff.
4: Yeah. God bless you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Live <laughs> the dream while you can, because comes college <laughs> and other crap that's going to take all that money away from you. So...
3: Yeah.
4: Well, guys, we appreciate y'all so much coming on. We are going to let y'all get out of here, and we hope to see y'all back. And you know, good luck on y'all's future tournaments and ventures in in kayak fishing.
3: Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Maybe you Peace. can come visit us. I hope so. I'm going to hit you. you up
4: if I make it to Canada oh, yeah, the first. Okay. I'm calling. <laughs> okay, sounds good. All right, see you guys. Okay, have a good one. That was awesome.
2: Don't get the don't they get free college up there?
4: shit maybe i don't know i don't know i I don't know i just i like cold weather i like bass fishing they've got both they seem cool they like beer a lot i I just need to move up there
2: my kid would being a hockey player here i know he'd love to be up there oh my god
4: yeah he would be like oh that'd be awesome well uh yeah that was a good show (laughs) that one was that one was really fun crazy big big bags of small mouth one day a whole bunch of adversity i can't i can't get over him one one stroke and uh an oar at that point basically to paddle yeah. around a pa my man's was was dialed in
2: at least it was a 12
4: yeah i don't think i'd do that with a 14 you'd have to have no. like shoulder surgery if you did that with a 14 yeah that's nuts well, uh, we are going to get into the tournament review part of this, and I'm going to do my best because the first thing we're going to cover is the the ninth Hobie Worlds Fishing Championship that just happened in Sweden. Um, I, I didn't realize it was two separate events because there's two sets of winners, so don't ask me. Yeah, I have no idea. I'm gonna read off the one that I know happened correctly. So the ninth Dio Hobie Fishing Worlds in a mall was a pike and perch combo tournament, three day event, forty-two anglers from all over the great world. First place Steen Slora with a combined total of seven hundred and seventy-six centimeters. Don't ask for that conversion factor, because I don't have it. Uh second place was Florian Lanier with seven sixty-four. And third place, Torje Schindler with six seventy seven. All Torje. I probably said that wrong, but we're going with it. Uh, You know, uh, congrats to all the um, American guys that went up there and had fun. I saw some cool footage from that. Uh, I did see Mr. Lambert showing one of those boys what Rubbin looks like in a race. Uh, He put a big pit maneuver on on one of the Swedes out there. That's awesome. But
2: uh, now Ron Champion won the Angler's Choice. So yeah. Congrats so to him. He gets fish Hobie Worlds again for free. So it's uh, cool. If
4: you if you haven't listened to the podcast the OG show did with him, make sure y'all go check it out. It was a great show. Um, but uh, again, congrats to those guys for going across the pond and making America look good from the kayak. Uh, can't wait to see where the next one is and can't wait for the Pan Am that's coming up in Mexico. But uh, the next tournament up on the, the block was uh, the Queen City Kayak Bass Fishing Event, uh, Lake Norman. Um, it's a charity event and they were only allowed to use prov- provided baits for the event. I didn't get any other details on that, but that gives you a little bit of a, uh, a challenge. 111 anglers. Queen city is doing the four fish limit that we like. First place, Trent Gatewood was 71 and a half. Second place, Kevin Rutherford was 71. And third place, Thomas Fur was 69 and three quarters. Um, next up is the Mid-Atlantic Kayak Bass Fishing on the Shenandoah River. 26 anglers. First place, Nicholas Mazza with 79 and three quarters. Second place, Victor Hendricks also with 79 and three quarters. Uh, lost to the big fish on that one. And third place, Dave Thompson was 78 and a half. Next up was the Mountain State Kayak Anglers. Um... Uh, Mountain Lakes event, there were 33 anglers, three 30 fish limit first place, Blaine Winters with 50 inches, second place, Heath Mullins with 49 and a half, third place, Travis Harper with 49 as well. Uh, oh, no, 49, because they were not the same, dumbass. Sorry about that, folks. Uh, next up was the All-American Kayak Series in the Lewis and Clark Lake two-day event, 31 anglers, first place, Kyle Richardson, Kyle, sorry, Kyle Christensen, with 170 and three quarters. Second place, Jeremy Brands with 169. Third place, Gene Campbell 168 and three quarters. Uh, next up was the Sticks uh, event, the Nebraska Kayak Series, also in Lewis and Clark Lake. Uh, 32 anglers in that one. First place was Jeremy Brands with 89 and a half. Second place, Kyle Christensen with 87 and a half. And third place, Jeremiah Brush with 83. Uh, moving on was the NSKA event on Beaver Lake. Forty anglers. First place Justin Brewer with eighty nine and a quarter. Second place Jordan Rosenblum with eighty eight and three quarters. And third place Kyle Long with eighty four and a quarter. That's the Natural State Kayak Anglers. Sorry about that. Uh, next up was the Idaho Kayak Bass Fishing Tournament. I don't know if we ever done an Idaho one. Uh
2: no. Hmm.
4: <laughs> Man to Iowa, folks. Iowa,
2: but not Iowa. done Iowa. Iowa.
4: Yeah, I don't remember Idaho. The Idaho Kayak Bass Fishing Tour event on Hagerman. Uh which is snake river, uh, 25 anglers, five fish limit. First place, Skylar Talbot with 84 and three quarters. Second place, Michael Mumford with 77 and third place, Kyle Zimke with 74. And that is it folks. Not too bit, too much going on in that tournament week. I know, um, hope has got the Fox river coming up. KBF's got one more, I think in a next week before the championship comes up in October. Uh, Bassmasters got the Pickwick event coming up. Uh, I think that's October as well, actually. yeah, uh, Might even be the same weekend as the National Championship. I can't remember. I want to say that there was a... They com- they are on top of each other in that one, but who knows. But yeah, We appreciate everybody coming with you as always. It was a great show. Um, we'll have something else fun and interesting next week. I'm sure you'll see mine and Dan's ugly faces again. And... I don't know. You got anything else, brother? Speak for yourself.
2: Uh, no, <laughs> that's, that's, like that's nice. it. Just looking forward to my trip. My trip. I'm see you all next week.
0: Heck yeah. Peace. Thanks for tuning in to another killer episode here on Paddle and Finn. Be sure to drop a five-star rating, a thumbs up, or smash that subscribe button on any platform you're listening in on. Be sure to check us out on Waypoint TV. WaypointTV.com Make sure you sign up for the Fantasy Kayak Fishing League at paddleandfin.com forward slash fantasy. You could support this show through Patreon, patreon.com forward slash paddleandfin.